This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al and Brian. Thanksgiving to me is about two things. Yeah, you got family, you got friends, whatever. But also for me, this is what I think. What games are on? What time can I start drinking? My whole Thanksgiving revolves around that. And usually the answer to the second question is kick off the Lions game. As soon as that ball kicks off, I'm getting into my, we do Friendsgiving and I got a buddy, him and I, we uh, usually split a bottle of bourbon every year. And usually as soon as that kickoff happens, it's, it's in the glass, start to sip, let's go. Um, but I'm kind of also over the Lions and the Cowboys playing every year. I think, you look at where football is, maybe is it time to kind of move past that and just put three, I don't know, games of choice on, on Thanksgiving. I mean, the NFL is gone. We have London games. We have Germany games. Uh, we have Thursday games. There's a game on Black Friday this year, but we still have to watch like the fucking Lions and the Cowboys every every year. I don't know, man. I feel like they can do better. But this season, at least like the Lions are fun. Like they are a really fun team to watch. I, and I always root for the Cowboys to lose. So Either way, uh, it'll it'll be big if, if, if the Cowboys do lose. But come primetime, man, I cannot wait to sit and watch the Niners play in what is just a huge, a huge NFC West matchup with Seattle. And we'll get into the matchup and what I think it means for playoff chances, especially for Seattle, who is in a really tough spot in their schedule. And the Niners can get a stranglehold on things over the next few weeks. We'll see how that happens. We'll get into it. Before I do... Last show when I recorded, I talked about the Bucks game. I had the name Fred Warner written down in huge letters. And for whatever reason, I totally forgot to mention him. So I wanted to start out the show by talking about him and a little bit about what he's doing for the franchise and why I think he's probably headed towards Canton. Um, Warner was unbelievable last week. And again, I just feel like such a terrible podcast host for not even mentioning it. He had 12 tackles. Two passes defended, a forced fumble, and a half a sack. He was just flying around, setting the tone, making violent hits. There were a couple plays where it looked like he just picked somebody up and body slammed them. And the whole team feeds on that. 
you know, I mentioned last show when Jair Brown made one of the plays, one of his big plays in the end zone. I don't remember if it was the interception or the pass breakup, but Warner ran up to him. It was the pass breakup. Remember, Warner ran up to up to him and got in his face, and you could just tell he he was talking him up. He was being a leader. And then they had a mic'd up thing that they did with Warner when Jair Brown hit the interception, and it looked like Brown may, maybe got the wind knocked out of him, and Warner was above him. Again, one of the first players there telling him, you just won the game for us. You just won the game for us. He's just that kind of leader. And when you look at what Warner's doing statistical-wise this year, he's on pace for a career high in tackles. He has 90 right now, and his pace is 153. He already has three interceptions, which is a career high for him. Two and a half sacks, and three is his career high. He has five tackles for loss. Seven is his career high. Three forced fumbles, which ties his career high. And he has eight passes defended, and 10 10 is his career best. Now, he's not going to get defensive player of the year. Um, The emphasis is so much on pass rushers right now. kind of feel like it's almost like a quarterback with the MVP. Pass rusher, if you have a pass rusher who's got 15, 20 sacks, I feel like it's almost difficult not to give that player the award. Miles Garrett is definitely a front runner right now. He has he has 13. Really tough. I think the last linebacker to get defensive player of the year was Luke Keekley. The last non-pass rusher was Stephon Gilmore, I believe, a few years ago. So it is really difficult for someone to get defensive player of the year if, if you're not there. But I just feel like with Warner, he's maybe he's just a really underrated superstar is the best way I can I can put it. Everybody says he's the best. When you talk about off the ball linebackers, they're like, yeah, Fred's Fred's on another level. But I don't feel like he gets a lot of the national publicity. We're not. He's almost just talked about in passing. You know, Warner's awesome. On to the next thing. And it's just it's just not enough credit for him. And I feel like he, he's a two time first team All Pro. Probably going to be first team again this year. And he's putting together a Hall of Fame career. And, and I was thinking about his candidacy, and it made me think about Patrick Willis because Patrick Willis should be in the Hall of Fame, and he isn't. Now, maybe it's the fact that he played only seven and a half years that hurt him, but Patrick Willis has been a victim of circumstance, and and here's why. I've talked to some Hall of Fame voters on this show and off this show sort of about um, what the room's like and the points of discussion, and we had Clark Judge on here, if you want to go back and find that show. might have been 2018, maybe. And him and I had a good discussion about the Hall of Fame and some things that people look for. And one of the things that he said to me is that he's looking to see if the player is top one or two at their position in terms of era. And I brought up Willis at the time in being that. And he was like, well, hold on. You know, you have Ray Lewis, you have Brian Erlacher. But my argument against that was, well, Willis was a five-time first-team All-Pro in five of his first seven years. So if he's a first-team All-Pro, isn't he one of the best one or two players? That's kind of the way I see it with Willis. Um, Luke Keekley was also playing around that time. So it, it was a bunched up group in terms of who you could say is the best. Uh, Lewis and Urlacher were obviously towards the end of their career there. Keekley was defensive player of the year. Well, I forget what year it was, 2012-ish maybe around there. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Um, but my argument was that, yeah, Will, Willis is one of those top two guys. But that's, that's, that's one of the circumstances that he has, he has to overcome is that he played in, in an era where there were maybe four guys. You can say Navarro Bowman. Bowman was phenomenal for maybe like a three-year stretch too. So there were a lot of great linebackers. But Willis, to me, certainly belongs there. The second circumstance that Willis is, is fighting right now, unless you're a slam dunk guy, and what I mean by slam dunk guy, I mean Jerry Rice, I, I mean Peyton Manning, I mean Tom Brady, just just a shoe in where they don't even have to discuss it. Just this guy's going in first ballot. He's a, the elite of the elite. If you're not that guy, and especially at a, at a position where, where there's a lot of people, you get put in a queue, and, and I'll explain. We've seen this with wide receivers. We've seen this with linemen and we've seen it with linebackers. It's almost like there's four or five guys that deserve to be in. And they say every year, well, we'll take one guy from this position group and you're just in the queue. And when it's your turn, if your position goes in that year, that's when you get in. So Willis has been stuck behind guys like Zach Thomas, Sam Mills. I'm interested if Luke Keekley jumps him, he might. That defensive player of the year award may, may push him over and Willis may have to wait for Keekley to get in. And, and then they're going to keep making him wait his turn from there. Now, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. And I don't love the way the Hall of Fame does that. If you have to let more people in, do it. I don't like that they keep guys in a queue who deserve it and put guys in over them who maybe don't deserve it as much as they do just because it's their turn in, turn in, in the queue. And, I, you know, again, some of those guys I mentioned, I feel like Willis should, should be in over them. How does this relate to Fred Warner? Well, I don't think when you look at the league right now, there's any linebacker that compares to him. So whenever Warner gets in, gets in the hall, is ready to go into the Hall of Fame, he hands down might be the best linebacker at the time. And he, like I said, he's got two first team all pro selections. Willis had five. I do think Warner will get another one or two before it's all said and done. To me, he he is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. I, I think it's really special. And, and I just, I don't know that he's getting enough credit for that. And it, what's interesting about the Niners now too. So if you think back to those 80 and 90s teams, the 80s team, the Hall of Famers who were actually, you know, 49ers, not somebody who may have been there for a year. I'd have to think even if there was someone who had that case, but Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Ronnie Lott, and Charles Haley, right? That's it. That's it. And in the 90s teams, Rice made it and, and Steve Young. That's for, for when you have a dynasty for well, almost 20 years to only have a small amount of Hall of Fame players like that is kind of crazy. Roger Craig should be in for, for sure. And if I'm missing anybody, let me know. But the, the point of it is for as great as they were for as long as they were, they didn't have a ton of Hall of Famers. Now, this team that you're looking at with the 49ers, they may end up having four or five Hall of Famers on it. Trent Williams to me is a, is a no doubt, no doubt dudes going to the Hall of Fame. Elite left tackle, best in the league. George Kittle's headed that way too. George Kittle's coming up on 6,000 receiving yards. By the time it's all said and done, 
I would think he'd be in the eight, 9,000 yard range by the time he retires, you know, God willing, if he stays healthy, he's a phenomenal blocker, you know, maybe the best blocking tight end in the league or, or one of them. That to me puts him in, in the conversation for hall of fame. You, you could see him there. We said Warner's on the trajectory, Nick Bosa. I don't think you can argue that he's on the trajectory. I mean, he has to put in more years, but certainly with the defensive player of the year award and the last two seasons he's had, he's up to five and a half sacks now. Looks like he's ready to have a strong second half. So if he gets to 10 again, Bosa's on his way. The only other guy I was thinking about, maybe McCaffrey. McCaffrey might end up in the hall, but I think he has a little bit more work to do. We've seen how great he is at his peak. Overall statistics right now, he's got 5,551 rushing yards to go along with uh, 4,100, and I think it's 26 receiving yards. So he's got to, I think he's got to put together uh, maybe another two years after this one of really strong production, get those yardage up, especially the rushing yardage in the 8 to 10,000 range. 10,000 is kind of the magic number, I feel like. Um, and then you're talking 47 rushing touchdowns and 27 receiving touchdowns. So he's got 74 TDs. So he might end up being a hundred touchdown guy by the time it's all said and done. I think right now McCaffrey's borderline. Um, if he stays on the, he's another guy that might be on a hall of fame trajectory, 